This is episode 113 with Q Williams. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach. Today, I sit down with Q, who is a former two-sport athlete at Northwestern University, standout football player, world-class speaker, and fellow coach. Q specialized in helping ignite the passion in life post-sport, something we just did as we crushed a workout together just prior to recording this. His story is unique. You'll definitely want to check it out. I'm really excited to share it with you today, so let's dive on into it. Q, welcome, my man, to the Athletic Mindset Podcast. I'm so stoked to have you on here. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm feeling lit up from that workout we just did. Especially, yeah. tell, tell the people, what do we just go through? A little 25-minute EMOM? How'd you feel? I think it's like my second EMOM I've ever done, and you kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was good after a couple of rounds, but then round three, four, and five, just like, it's brutal, man. It's, it's crazy getting back into that level of intensity that I once had like, yeah. when I was playing ball. You know? Yeah. Like, it's been what, a while. That's I love it because it... I mean, if we're about to sit down and talk mindset, like it's a perfect reminder of mm-hmm. let's walk that walk and like let's throw ourselves into that arena for a second mm-hmm. and really think what what the heck's going on? Why am I doing this <laughs> kind of thing? And we might have to make this a new podcasting format because this is the second week in a row that I've done work out with the person that I've sat down with and talked and it's just been a magical connection ever since. So I appreciate you being willing to run through something. <laughs> Absolutely, like man. I mean, I I think this all comes down to like movement sets us up for life. Yeah. You know, movement is life. If we're not moving, if we're not preparing ourselves for something like this, a big moment, like with movement, I think we're just, we're limiting ourselves, you yeah. know, especially as an athlete. We're so used to that. Um, so it's, it's a great way to kick this off. Yeah. I, let's, let's start there um, with movement being an integral piece. I think for so long, given both of our backgrounds, like movement is a key cornerstone of our identity. It's a key cornerstone of like our day-to-day routine. How are you finding ways to keep that foundation going in your day-to-day life now that football isn't, you said it earlier, 10, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, almost like that's crazy, but movement's still obviously an integral part of your day-to-day. Right? It always has been. I think I'm very lucky that I, I had the wherewithal. When I finished playing, I was like, I'm going to keep moving. Like, I don't know what kind of movement I'm going to do, but I got to keep moving. I don't want to be that guy who stops moving for a little bit and has to pick back up because the hardest thing to do is create a new habit. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I have an incredible habit that I've built over several years, you know, my entire football and baseball career, never having taken more than like a week off. And I was like, I might not be lifting weights every day because I don't have a reason to do that anymore, but I do have a reason to move because it makes me feel so good. And so I started doing everything from you know, pull-ups at the jungle gym, you know, like yeah. run a half mile, do some pull-ups, run another half mile to the next jungle gym and do some push-ups, right? And that just, um, that slowly but surely evolved into more of a body weight practice for me. I found yoga. Um, that evolved into, you know, more power-based yoga that evolved into even more chill, relax yoga. Right. Um, and most recently I've been exploring rock climbing. I just think the diversity of movement is just so important and finding ways that naturally feel good for my body to express itself. I think really movement is expression Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So, um, 
it, it's it's foundational for me. It's a way that I kind of activate my inner compass in a lot of yeah. ways. And I, I think what's really interesting, you bring up a really good point of finding out these different ways to move your body of it being a body weight practice. It doesn't have to be something super complicated where we're doing some crazy lifts where we're snatching or hang cleaning and doing that for hours and hours, CrossFit style. Yeah. Um, I, I've been on the record of saying CrossFit stupid. Still, <laughs> still stand by that. Um, but I think what's really interesting is that's a major shift that a lot of former athletes struggle with is this notion of working like what, constitutes working out mm. now that I'm done with formalized sport. And I've been really fascinated with this um, concept of working out versus working in. Mm. And I, I love what the things that you were pointing out there, like the yoga mm. or the rock climbing, like mm -hmm. all of these experiences, they can be either. They can be a mix of both working out and working in, mm -hmm. or they can just be solely like, look, I don't need to crush it today from a physical output standpoint, but I really do need to tune in and, and get back into my focus yeah. and what's going on in, internally, mm -hmm. which like yoga always plays a, a key role in that. Have you found that? Absolutely. I, I mean, when, even when going back to sport, I think obviously sport has two components. Mm -hmm. There's a goal in mind, right? There's an actual physical task you're looking to create, like, you know, a championship, like move on to the next level, become a pro, earn that scholarship. But there's also like within that a self-development mm -hmm. principle, like a self-awareness. I think the games provide a playing court, a medium for us to learn about ourselves mm -hmm. and develop ourselves. So that's always been the biggest thing for me about sport is like I'm developing as a human being. I have this quiz out right now that you've taken. Yeah. And one of the questions on there is like, why did you play sports? Did you play sports because it's something that you really liked, you know, you were following family tradition, maybe, maybe your brother or sister played, maybe your dad played. Did you play because, um, it was something that like made you a better person. Mm -hmm. And that was my reason. It was like, it made me a better person. I just loved, I didn't want to be an NFLer. Like I, I wanted to excel and be a better athlete, mm. but by virtue of being a better person and being a better leader. And that's, that's the component that I think we all take with us when we leave sport is that there might not be a specific goal we're out to get anymore to be a pro in marathon running, you know, or, you know, walking. Right. But there is the self-development component of self-awareness where we got to put ourselves in that medium. We have to find a medium to assess ourselves mm -hmm. and be aware of our habits and our patterns. And I mean, yoga is a perfect example because the saying goes like how you show up on your mat is how you show up in life. And I would say the same thing goes for almost any practice. It's just yoga is quiet and slow enough that you can really be present to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's why I loved endurance sports. We were talking earlier before we were recording about kind of my background in more the endurance space. But to me, it was that yoga. Like mm. swimming was this ability. It, it was this perfect balance because I could come to practice and connect with my teammates or for 95% of that practice, my head's underwater mm -hmm. and I'm in my own head. I'm in my own thoughts. So I had to get really, really familiar like with what was going on. So I think to me, it almost became this safe haven, like sanctuary mm -hmm. underwater. Mm -hmm. And I feel most at home now when I'm close to 
bodies of water or mm-hmm. I'm physically in an ocean or a pool and I can just quite literally quiet the outside world, listen to what the heck is going on in the water. And just that allows me to like lock in and tune into that inner self a little bit more, probably much like how you're finding with that yoga practice for you. hundred percent. That, that's, that's what it is. And it's, it's connecting with our bodies, with ourselves, with our habits, with our emotions, it's everything. And having that me time, yeah. you know, you could call it that's foundational. And I've, I've found as I've gone through my life, enter different relationships and corporate settings, right? Like different expectations that can be placed onto us that we can mm-hmm. take on. You know, if we don't take care of ourself and have that relationship with ourself in some sort of medium, yeah. whether it is swimming, whether it is walking, whether it is meditating, whether it's yoga, just having that space to connect with ourself in a self-reflection way. I mean, it's just unbeatable. I mean, and of course, you know, you add on to that, you know, all the team components of team sports, right? Like how that develops a human being. I'd love to talk about that. I'd love to talk about how we correlate as far as like team sports go versus more like the individual. individual sport. Yeah. You know, I, I have a conversation with my sister-in-law often, like she was a runner in college and she's really good at things. Just like my girlfriend who was a competitive gymnast before she became a yoga teacher, like there's a, there's a genius there that I don't have access to in a lot of ways. Cause I'm more of a team driven person. Yeah. You know, do you find like for you uh, personally, like from a motivation standpoint, like, do you get more jazzed up by going to like a group class, quote, like quote unquote, like the, the yoga, the yoga studio lights you mm. up, not the yoga practice solo at home on your mat watching YouTube. Mm. Do you notice a difference there between like which one excites you? You know, I haven't done like a group workout in forever. Yeah. You know, most like of, most of us haven't. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'll get together with a couple of friends, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because of COVID. But like getting together with friends is fun for me. Yet, I think ever since I left competitive sports and organized sports 10 years ago, I've just gravitated towards more of a self-reflection practice, you know, just kind of naturally. So that's where I've spent most of my time. Yet, um, I think there's a lot for me kind of going back into the group component, group atmosphere and, and having that balance because it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to, to build that momentum with one another, build each other up. There's nothing like being in a weight room with your teammates. Yeah. We were saying that earlier prior, as we were gearing up for this EMOM, I was like, so like what music should we blast? Mm -hmm. Should we blast to the past of like do some DMX radio? It would be that college weight room setting again, Mm -hmm. where you just have that rap music or whatever bumping it's hardcore Mm -hmm. and you're getting after it with your boys Mm -hmm. there's even if you're in a team an individual sport like swimming like that kind of memory still lights me up Mm -hmm. you would have those team lifts i think what's really interesting looking at my own journey i don't have any problem of like waking up early and doing something on my own and Mm -hmm. like going for a long run at five in the morning on a Saturday. That's impressive. Or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I think to me, like that's just automatic. I actually take it for granted a lot of times, but I realized like that's quote unquote, not normal way of thinking. It's not. No. Cause as, as a team athlete, I had the reason I showed up to practice was partially for me, but it was, it was more so like I had a commitment. I made a commitment to guys and the coaches and there was an expectation from other people. So I think naturally with a team athlete, we kind of get caught up in like expectations of others. Mm. 
which is one of the toughest things that I run into with a lot of my clients that I work with because I'm a, I'm a mindset coach for men that are former athletes and disconnecting from that expectation mm -hmm. of others, you know, it goes from like a playbook and a structure and everything and, you know, reporting to things in a team environment to now a corporate environment or a family environment. Maybe you moved home after college and you have the expectations of your parents once again, you know, hunting down on you or yeah. the corporate world or how life is supposed to look, you know, what you should do and shouldn't do in life after. And the hardest part is separating that from your internal compass. So I try to help people really uncover that internal compass. Like what is their vivid purpose? What's their core identity? Who are they at the core um, without all that? Because it's so hard to separate yourself from it because you're so used to getting that external validation, the reward, the award, the championship, the starting spot, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of team athletes tend to really thrive in corporate structures, for instance, you know? Yeah. Um, yet I think there's always been this, this thing inside of me that it's always wanted to be an entrepreneur and kind of have my freedom and flexibility and creativity. So I kind of feel like I've always been like a mesh of a team athlete yeah. and, a, and a solo, a, a solo. Yeah. And a guy. Mm -hmm. I think the beauty for it too, just like from a business world perspective now, like you're, you're really seeing like, as you're building out your own business, like, yes, it's just you for now. Like yeah. the, the goal I would imagine at some point is you're building it a team around you. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, a thing a lot of us miss on is like this ability that we have, we can build a life team around mm -hmm. us. We'd be very, very selective. I was catching up with a friend earlier today and she was like, your group of friends out there in LA look awesome. And I was like, thanks. I was very intentional with choosing them. Mm. Like, I don't want to invite someone in to sit down on a, a podcast if I haven't quote unquote vetted them beforehand. Yeah. And or share a meal or something like that. Like right. I'm very intentional. I think you are too with mm -hmm. who you are picking to have on your team. What I want to touch on is you mentioned that notion of showing up for yourself earlier mm -hmm. and having those boundaries there mm -hmm. to practice self-love and filling up your own cup. Coming from a team sport, though, you were just saying that you're so used to making that commitment to others and showing up for them. Mm -hmm. How have you learned the balance between the two there personally, just through your journey or through your growth of these past few years? It's been one of the toughest things for me. It's been my, my breakthrough of many, you know, probably my primary breakthrough is putting myself first. Mm -hmm. And that has come down to, um, the fact that athletes and especially men are rarely asked the question, what do you want? <laughs> you know, outside of the championship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course you want the championship. Cause like, that's an easy answer. I Cause everyone, yeah, exactly. And so just naturally in a, in a team environment, we kind of set aside our personal endeavors, our personal missions for the greater team. Good. And, you know, coming out of sport, I had to kind of, you know, reestablish what I wanted mm -hmm. really clearly because I easily fell into the trap of like just following the status quo and doing what I should do or what society thinks I should do. And <clears throat> I always had this kind of inner rebel within me that just didn't buy that. You know, I had this inner impetus within me that knew I wanted to have a business. I wanted to create something bigger. I wanted to, I wanted to make an impact for people like me mm -hmm. and like us. And yeah, that was, that was hard for me because it's, it's uncomfortable, yeah. you know, putting yourself first because 
I, and a lot of guys like me go to, Oh, that's selfish. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's being selfish by meditating for a half hour when he wakes up, you know, or taking the time for himself. Take an extra client call or like do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're so used to the grind and the work, the go, 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 you know, especially coming from the East coast and the Midwest where I lived in Chicago, like it's taking time for yourself is like, Oh, are you putting the team second? (laughs) You know, which is tough because in, in winning quote unquote culture programs, like it really is viewed as that I would Mm -hmm. imagine very much so in a championship kind of culture mm-hmm. that you guys had at North uh, Western as you guys are winning some bowl games and like mm-hmm. having a lot of success there. Like shame on you for taking time for yourself or mm-hmm. taking time away from the team to take care of your mental health or yeah. take care of, it's very interesting. I don't know if you saw like Kyrie Irving has taken a few like mental health days mm-hmm. yeah. this year and has caught it the analyst world is like split 50 50 on that of mm-hmm. like shame on you. We're paying you millions of dollars. You should be playing just like suck it up and play. And then the other, I think more of the former players are like, Hey, that's good on you, man. Like mm-hmm. I wish I did that more. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, I think we're in a good space where we're moving towards that being accepted a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I always like to remind people that actually being selfish to some extent is actually the most selfless thing that you can do Mm -hmm. because if you're not really protective of your energy, how can you expect to show up for the people around you Mm -hmm. the way that you want to? Mm -hmm. And I mean, knowing you, you hold yourself to a very high standard. Yeah. You have high expectations of yourself. So you're actually not honoring those. If you're running, you know, into the ground day in, day out, Mm -hmm. not to say that we need, we can't have seasons of our lives where we should be doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's the superpower that we have coming from sport is yeah. we can put our head down and grind. Mm-hmm. We just need to become aware of like, when do we pick it up and look around and say, okay, yeah. it might be time to slow down for a second. Yeah. And I, I think that also comes from like, there's kind of a perception that a lot of us get, especially in the machismo kind of world that we have to have one single point of focus. Mm-hmm. It's a very masculine quality to be single you know, directional oriented. We could talk about like masculine, feminine, yin and yang kind of energy. Right. But, you know, as a former athlete, we're used to having a single purpose championship, championship, championship. Yeah. You know, um, yet as we expand outside of sport, there's more than just a single goal in life. Isn't there, you know, like, I don't know. Like I still want to make a million dollars. Yeah. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's going to make you happy. Right. So they say, so they say, I haven't hit it yet. Well, I think that that's the thing I've, I've run into so many people, a lot of clients of myself, of mine that make that pinnacle moment. Yeah. They're like, Oh, I think this is going to be like amazing. I'm going to feel like I've accomplished something. Like I've really hit it. And they get to that championship or that all American status. And it feels empty. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's no, there's no real, there's no purpose for that yeah. besides kind of the personal, you know, growth, which is, you know, this gets back to our first conversation. It's like, yes, what am I growing for? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is, what is this growth? What is this medium of sport or walking or yoga or self-reflection? What is this actually getting me towards? It's got to get me towards joy, you know, cause I don't. Like if I don't have a full cup, I can't give away from that. Yeah. You know, I can't give from a half full cup yet. It's not just joy. 
life is not all about joy and happiness. It's also about like, I, I think it's, it's, it's a holistic approach. It's yeah. a, it's an ecosystem. So it's joy, it's meaning, it's purpose. It's feeling like you have value to offer. Like the world wants what you have to offer. So there's this, there's this concept of ikigai. I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's, I think it's a Japanese concept of like finding that intersection of a Venn diagram of like, what does the world need? What are you good at? What do you enjoy? You know, and the, yeah. there's a fourth concept there too, right? Like, how do I find a mesh of all those things, you know, where it's not just a single point of focus. Like, I'm just going to go and do the thing that the world needs. That's not going to make me happy. Yeah. It might not. You know, it's, it's got to be a mesh. And yeah. that's where I think there's multiple goals in mind. You have to keep in mind after sport, it's more than just a championship. For someone that's listening right now and is, is figuring out what they want, what the world needs, like what excites them, what they're good at, mm -hmm. where would you suggest that they start between those four areas? Or is it just a, an overall step back and like analyze? Because I mm -hmm. think if we – honestly, we could solve a lot of pain points for a lot of – athletes going through transition right now, if they just take a day to really <laughs> sit and, and think on those questions, mm. where would you suggest someone starts though? I'd probably start in nature. If you can get to it hundred percent, nice. take a day in nature, take a day doing something you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that like we were talking about when you ask the question, what do you want? A lot yeah. of people are kind of numb to that. You know, it's like, what do you mean? What I want? What, what, what do you want? Where do you want to go to eat. Right. Yeah. So for instance, in my quiz, the life after archetype quiz, I think you got the guardian. So I'd, yeah. I'd be curious to know when we asked you the question, um, when you're out with friends and you're deciding where to go to eat, you know, or where to go, yeah. who makes that decision? Yeah. I think for that one, I put like, I'm kind of fine with that, whatever, but I need to vet that qu the selection mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. you know, I'm mm -hmm. like, I'll, I'm very easy, like going with the flow, but mm -hmm what you pick has kind of got to be somewhat in line with like what I'm thinking. Right. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. So you're not totally giving away, uh, your power in that moment. Yeah. You, you, you have a vested interest. You, you're clear on what you want, but you're willing to be, you know, collaborative in that. Right. Yeah. Or if I'm feeling really good, like I'll just start planting that idea like yeah. days in advance. Mm -hmm. like, oh man, ice cream sounds really good. Yeah. Like, Oh, the new flavor. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, I'm like, Hey, would you guys be down to go to salt and straw or yeah. to go, to go here and people are like, Oh, that sounds awesome. Where that idea came from. And I'm like, careful. Strategic man. It's the, the, the dark side of the mindset yes. game, right? You can yes. start to learn how to play those, those games. Well, seeds. I think that that can be seen as the dark side or that can be just be seen as like stating your desires. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a lot of um, athletes aren't used to stating their desires. They're just used to, doing the brunt work, just doing what they're asked to do. Yeah. And so I think coming down to figuring out what you want to do after sport, you gotta like just collect yourself, you know, really slow down. And I think in the pause and the slowing down so much unfolds for us. That's why I think nature is so powerful because yeah. you don't have your phone in front of you. You don't have all the distractions at your service. You know, yeah. you're by yourself. You not that like nature is going to tell you some secret, but you'll probably notice a, just give it a try, you know, just go out there and see what you come up with on your own yeah. as you're taking that hike, taking that walk, breathing in the fresh air. Notice what it reminds you of. Notice what you feel like doing in that space. Yeah. I think what's super powerful there, nature's not going to tell you the answer. <laughs> like, well, but it definitely will help you 
help yourself, like have yourself tell you that answer yes. way quicker than you mentioned it. Like we live in a world that is distraction mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, whether it's TV, social media, YouTube, like you name it. Like there's, I don't know how anyone's bored these days because there's literally so many outlets, but to our, our conversation earlier of stuff, like what's the bandaid versus what is yeah. like the actual solution. I think a lot of us are very quick to turn to the bandaid approach mm-hmm. of like, well, I'm just going to go onto social media and Instagram and scroll for 30 minutes because I don't have to actually sit with what I'm feeling right yeah. now. I'm yeah. looking for a little bit of an escape. Yeah. Whereas, well, if we actually sit there for 30 minutes and journal or just go for a walk without music, then maybe there's some actual long-term solution that kind of comes to us. Mm. And all of a sudden we're like, wow, where was that this whole time? Like, why wasn't that there five years ago? (laughs) Spot on, man. Spot on. Um, There's this analogy in the Zen tradition of um, emotions are like telephone calls Mm. And it's such a such a good proverb. I got it from the Everyman uh, community, their training book. It's so good. Um, if I could read it out verbatim, I would. But it essentially says, emotions are like telephone calls trying to give us information. Mm. A lot of us, you know, yell at the phone for it ringing. That yeah. would represent like anger, you know, or like whatever. Um, anxiety would look like... Um, being mad, I don't know, like, you know, oh my god, yeah, you know, like, who's calling? Yeah, exactly, like getting worried about it, right? Yeah. Um, what do they want? I'm not gonna pick it up though, yeah, I'm not gonna find out, yeah, I'm just gonna sit there. depression or guilt would look like um, blaming, blaming yourself for the phone ringing, mm-hmm. like, oh, they're they're calling to give me some bad news or tell me that I'm not enough or that I'm doing something wrong, you know, yeah, so it's the, the ways that we interact with that phone. And, you know, the Generation Z won't even understand this, but like talk about a literal ringing phone that's like, you know, you could be throwing it against the wall. You could be banging on it. You could be avoiding it. Those are our emotions and they're just trying to give us information. So the, the, the art of that parable is like pick up the phone, listen to what the phone has to say, the information, and then put the phone down. You don't have to sit in it forever. You just have to listen to it. You just lost everyone 18 and younger. Yeah. yeah, show. yeah. Like, exactly. You told me to pick up the phone. Forget that dude. He has no good advice. <laughs> Put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. Um, and that's, that's what I work with a lot of people. And when we're talking about like physical fitness kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm so much more in tune with the biofeedback that our body is actually giving us. Like, our day-to-day energy levels. What are what are our hormones trying to tell us? Mm. Are they balanced? Or are they totally out of whack? Mm. Like, what's our quality of sleep? Like, I care so much more, and I think those are much more solid actual metrics to then base off of like what our next plan of action is. Yeah. Versus obviously the traditional scale, um, mm. and I think you can almost make that connection to sport, right? Like the scale would be sports equivalent of like just measuring success on. Well, did they win the national championship this year or did they not? Right. As a D1 football player, like that's the metric of success for pretty much every program in the Power Five. Yeah. I mean, you won some pretty big championships in your career and some big games, but it was never the national championship. Right. Right. So some people might be out there and say, well, Q, that's cool that you had some success, but you didn't win the big one. So. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Like, what the heck? Or you can go about it. Well, yeah, we might have not have won the big one, but we did this, this, and this. And I mean, you guys won what the first Rose Bowl in quite some time. The right? first, the first bowl game first bowl ever game. in um, in 64 years, I think is the number. Just a, um, just a few years. Just a few years. <laughs> we had a monkey on our back. We literally had a, a, a stuffed monkey in the locker room that mm. day because I had gone to five straight bowl games and hadn't won a single one. So this is our fifth one. And it's like whew, our coach had a monkey yeah. in the locker room. And he was like, when we win this game, this monkey is going to be ripped to shreds. And I still have a piece of that monkey fur like in my closet. Um, because... Um, like, yeah, like I've experienced winning, but before that I experienced so much loss. I experienced so much going to the bowl game, making it there, like making it to like a kind of a subpar bowl game, sometimes a January 1st bowl game, but usually, you know, like the Alamo bowl or something like that playing, you know, 20 seed versus 30 seed or something like that, you know? And it was great, but then we ended up losing. And none of the players wanted to wear their rings afterwards because it didn't say champions. Even though we had this incredible season yeah, and, you know, we were a couple games away from winning the Big Ten, but we didn't win our bowl game. So it kind of means nothing. You know, it's kind of corny to wear your bowl ring out, especially if you lost. Yeah. You know, so um, I think there's a lot of validity to that. Yet I also... Find it, found it really interesting that once we won the bowl game, I saw some guys wearing their rings once in a while. Yeah. You know, and I actually, I'm, I'm excited to wear that ring now because it, it means something totally different. Yeah. What's really interesting there and what I hear a lot of times, right, is this duality, this balance of like, how can I still find some like silver lining in the loss without losing that edge and motivation towards like getting back to the the Mm -hmm. drawing board and moving forward to, you know, come back again and win. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, if you take that time to your point earlier of stepping back, decompress, you can start to realize like there is a lot probably in those losing bowl game seasons that you could take away that were all really good things and say a lot about the growth of the program, the trajectory of the program Mm -hmm. versus and like if we tune into that, we would probably be like, oh, well, yeah, like overall my experience was way better than mm-hmm. like the wins and losses mm-hmm. show, so yeah. to speak. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yes, I, I would. I think the hardest thing is kind of rushing someone's grieving process. Yeah. Like making someone wrong for feeling attached to an outcome and that yeah. doesn't happen, you know, like watching the guy cry in the corner, like after losing the bowl game, like. I wasn't that guy, you know, like I wasn't that attached to it yet. I think the high school version of me, if we would have lost the state championship when we went 15 and 0 to get there. And that was like my only goal that year. Well, one of my only goals, right? Like that would have like, that would have really sucked yet. I probably wouldn't have been the crier, you know, Mm. probably half my team would have been crying about that. But I, I think everyone's different in their grieving process. And I think, I learned that as a, at a young age when my mom passed away and I watched people in my family react totally differently to loss, you know, totally differently. And I can't judge someone for, for not processing, processing it the way that I do. Everyone's different. You know, everyone does it at their own time. Everyone has different responsibilities they have to uphold and, um, things that they really care about. So I think to kind of go in the same vein, like I, I, I think it's different for everybody Mm -hmm. that, you know, 
the journey is just as important for a lot of people. For some people, it's it's the ring, you know, it's that championship. It's yeah. that means everything to them. So, yeah, it's tough because I think for so long, sports was viewed as like you need, like if someone were to ask me what the athletic mindset meant mm-hmm. at a very young age, I would have been like, well, it's all in or out loud. Winning. It's winning. And now having done, I mean, at this point, by the time this is airs, we'll be over 100 episodes, which Woo! is crazy. Nice. Um, and it's like, huh, I don't think it's as easy as an answer mm-hmm. anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I think it is just this dynamic thing. And I, I tend to lean towards it being more growth focused. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the, the right quote unquote mindset to have mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking sports, when we're just talking life in general. What would you describe kind of how your mindset was maybe during playing <clears throat> and what has changed from your own mindset as you've transitioned out of the sport? Mm. Man. It's, it's interesting. This kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about earlier, how I kind of wanted to find what lit me up outside of sport and make sure that I was taking care of myself. And what happened with that was my mindset shifted to obviously more of a me conversation. Um, and I, not, I, I consider this kind of like a, like a pendulum, you know, where like on one side I'm all team focused and on one side I'm all me focused. And I spent so much of my life being team focused that I kind of felt like I had to go to the opposite extreme. I had to let the pendulum go all the way over the other side, past the happy medium in in the middle, go all the way to the left and feel what it's like to be over there so that I can easily calibrate to the middle at some point. And I feel like I've done that a lot. And now I feel like I'm recalibrating and I feel like I can come back to the team in a healthier, you know, mindset, you know? So, I'm excited to build a team now, but I, I wasn't ready to build a team five years ago. I was so focused on like, what's going to make me happy. What's the passion? What's the mission? What's how, what's it going to look like? And then I had to get myself out of bed and go do it, you know, get off my ass and like go create the, the, the sales page and, and yeah. the, you know, the, just actually do it. That took me forever. So once I finally started doing it, my mindset started shifting to like, okay, how do I bring this to life? It's going to take a team. It's not about me. If I just make it about me, it's not going to be fun. Just like being all team is not going to be fun. You know, team without a a purpose, without a a mission that I align with is, is totally deflating at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I mean, to your point earlier of that Venn diagram, if you can find that sweet spot where all of these things align and the thing that you are trying to build you come to this realization that it's really, it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I love about the work you do is I look at it and I see like, you're not in it for the riches and the money, but you're in it for creating something bigger than yourself to mm-hmm. create an impact that truly changes the, the dynamic of how men are transitioning and starting to get to know themselves in life post-sport. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a needed market because we can talk masculine, you know, stereotypes all day. Yeah. Of like we just need to suppress to your point earlier, like when we're in sports, we're not picking up that emotion phone and saying, yo, what's up? Yeah. Like, what are you telling me? We're taught. Okay. 
awesome. You're feeling some type of way. Forget about it. There's a job to be done. You need to, right. to finish it out and you can worry about how you're quote unquote feeling at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Like there's that week off after conferences that you can yeah. just say, Hey, like yeah. Yeah, check in with your feelings. <laughs> and then you get to that point and it's like, you're going to have those extremes of the guy crying in the corner of the, yeah. the bowl game in the locker room afterwards. <clears throat> or you're going to have the guy that is just like this manic high of like, wow, this is the best feeling ever. We finally won. Yeah. And it's, I think I, you need both, but definitely like mm -hmm. creating a space like you're doing so that people can share that emotion yeah. more frequently and do so in an environment that encourages it rather yeah. than an environment that says, Hey, Actually yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, uh, I'll steal a quote from my everyman brothers. It's, it's like cross it for your emotions. Mm. You know, you're training your emotional awareness in a lot of the work that I do, you know, yeah. spoiler alert, like not a lot of guys want to hear like, Oh, come work out your emotions with me. That's yeah. not what I, that's not my sales you know, trick, their, right? Their ego hears, <laughs> well, Q just called me, told me I'm flawed. Yeah. Screw that guy. I'm not yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh dude. <laughs> Which is even more reason for them to come work with. Exactly. You, right? Yeah. Cause that, that, cause that, that ego is so big. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like in my marketing, I, I don't talk about like, Oh, you're broken. I got to fix you. That's not the idea. No, yeah. you're, you're fully functioning. You're, you've obviously gotten to where you are because you're freaking good. You yeah. know, you're really good when given a playbook and you follow directions, you are freaking like effective. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing right now is that I, th I think our society has gone from, um, a militaristic sort of uh, culture, right. Yeah. You know, like, our parents and their parents' parents were born in, in wartime and in famine. And like there was a need for warriors, mm. providers, hunters. Yeah. And then there was a need for um, usually the woman, you know, to be at home, to be the nurturer, to be the emotional one. Yeah. Um, yet, and you know, through industrialization, we've deepened into that. And now we're kind of coming out the other side where there's, you see it in sports too. You used to see, um, you know, you used to see on the football field, like, um, horse collars on guys, you know, yeah. necks. Cause like heavy hitting and being big as a linebacker, for instance, was, yeah. was like the way to do it. Now you see guys slim down a couple, couple pounds. Like the average linebacker is more like, I don't know, 225, 235. Yeah. Um, got range. They're more flexible. That that's an expression of the feminine, like being able to have that kind of range and dynamicism yeah. is, uh, that's an expression I think of our culture just naturally coming back to more of a, an equilibrium. Yeah. I mean, you look at Devonte Smith, who just won the highest one last mm -hmm. year. Most people look at him and they're like, well, he's a string bean wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Like how the heck is he the best player in college mm -hmm. football? And obviously he, he proved a lot of people wrong of like, mm -hmm. I don't think there is, one archetype that is like you need to be this way yeah. and you are will win the Heisman or you'll win the national mm -hmm. championship or whatever it may be. Like mm -hmm. we just have to find like really what works for us to your point yes. there. Yes. hundred percent. And I, that's, I think the beauty is everyone has their ideal balance, you know, uh -huh. everyone has their best. And for me personally, I want to be a balance of those two things. Yeah. You know, I want, I want to be masculine dominant, but I want to have real good access to my feminine qualities my creativity. I'm an artist at heart. You know, yeah. I love creating things. The quiz I put out, like I love putting the, putting the, the graphics and the PDFs and the emails you get afterwards. Like yeah. that's so much fun for me to provide value in a creative medium. 
but that's not everybody, you know, yeah. that's not everybody. And everyone has their balance. And I guess I'm just saying like, on average, more people are finding a more balanced state compared to a more yeah. Um, extreme state. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good to be aware of your quote unquote superpower there, yeah. like your strengths, right. And lean into those. And then, you know, maybe right now as you're a solopreneur, it's this, well, I love the creating side and I need to, but my business needs this balance yeah. side of like actually converting into sales yep. I'm the same way. Like I could create all day. I could sit here and have these conversations mm -hmm. for hours and hours on debt. And, and then when it comes time to like actually product, like put something together to sell, I'm yeah. like, well, it should just sell itself. Like I yeah. just created it, right? <laughs> like why aren't people buying? Um, so it's nice to, to hear one, I'm not alone. Yeah. But I think it is this – it's a unique space to be in, right, as a solo company. But it's something to be mindful as you're starting to build a team. Like you start to understand like, well, all right, I might not be quote-unquote phenomenal at the sales aspect of things. Yeah. I'm phenomenal at the creating side. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first hire that I do is actually someone who's like a sales rep for me. And yeah. They just crush the sales and we're good to go. And now all of a sudden you're building this team. I look at – Every single, like huge, huge company. Like, mm -hmm. Look at Apple. Yeah. Like Steve Wozniak and um, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Like that balance there was mm -hmm. key. Mm -hmm. They knew really, really well, like what each of them, their strengths were. And yeah. More so, what was their weaknesses? What were their hell no's? Like, yeah. what were they not going to do? Mm -hmm. What for <clears> you in business? Kind of what's that? I love this exercise of. What's your hell yeses and your hell no? <laughs> like what's lighting you up that you're like, I'll always do that no matter how large this thing gets. Right. And what are those things that you're like, well, I can't wait to offload that oh, man. to a team. There's this really great quiz for for entrepreneurs called the Entrepreneurial Archetype. Yeah. It's actually made by a girl in here in Venice named nice. Amanda Bucci. Yeah. And um it's great. It helped me really identify what archetype I was yeah. from an entrepreneurial perspective and I'm a creator teacher. Mm. So I love creating and teaching things and writing things. I'm a writer. I'm a talker. I love doing podcasts yeah. and that's my medium. It's my creative medium. The sales part. Oh, I, I can't wait to offload that. Can't wait. Um, some of the programming, some of the, the like, the repetitive nature of coaching, you know, in a program of having like 10 clients at a time, maybe 20 clients in a program yeah. would love to offload that. But I always want to be in the teaching space. You know, yeah. I just don't want to be doing it so monotonously. I want to be creating, you know, creating new things and being more efficient, finding new creative ways to do things, you yeah. know, innovating. I love that. Where did this desire, this curiosity for you to chase after and actually pursue getting to know yourself on this deep level that we're kind of seeing come out today in this conversation come from. Is that something that was mm. always there? Is that kind of been taught to you? Was it the environment? Like, where does that come from? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say a few things that sound weird. Yeah. One, <laughs> one, um, I've always felt unique. I've always kind of been treated uniquely mm. in my family, which is a, a blessing and a curse. But it's like I have a unique name, Quentin Williams. Most people think I'm black before they meet me. 
but I'm white. Um, yeah, for those listening to the audio. For those listening. Um, <laughs> video, you can see. Yeah, but like I, I've just always seen myself as unique, even though like when you really get down to it, I'm a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white boy, you know, born and raised in uh, Ohio and Pittsburgh. So like I'm not that unique. But there was something in me that I always just felt like I was a little bit different. And specifically, I think it's been like I have this side of me that can connect to people in a way that most people can't like, I see the good in people. I'm, a, I'm an optimist at heart. I want to connect with people. I want to see them for who they are. And I think that's a gift, you know, um, when it comes to creativity, I, I don't know if that was always a thing. I, I guess it always kind of was, you know, I always love to draw. I always love to, you know, build things. I mean, connects for my favorite thing as a kid. And I think we're all kids at heart. Yeah. They were fire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I, I understand creative theory and, um, we all have creativity within us. It's just a matter of like, do we exercise that muscle often? So when I didn't exercise that muscle for so long, just focusing on sport and not on art and creating yeah. things, um, I, um, I just knew I had to just get out of it and start using that muscle again, activating that muscle. Yeah. You know, it's not a strength thing. It's just like an activation. Same thing goes for our brain. There are neural pathways that are there. We just have to like cement them by yeah. habit. I think what's, what's really a thought that just came up there as you're explaining that. I see it a lot now that there's this culture, right, of find your passion, find that thing that lights you up and go and chase it and make that, you know, turn it into a side hustle and then turn it into your main hustle from there. But what's really interesting is like, maybe you would have been quote unquote, a better football player. If you had room to just express as a creative, whether mm -hmm. it's just journaling and drawing or something, there's almost now this push of like, well, if you like journaling and drawing, you need to monetize that as quickly as possible. <laughs> like the Gary V's out there are going to say yeah. like, you like baseball cards. Great. Go out and buy a bunch of baseball mm -hmm. cards and you're going to flip them and sell them. And all of a sudden now you have an extra $2,000 a month coming in. Mm -hmm. But we really lose sight of like, why are we doing these creative outlets in the first place? Yeah. It's not to make money. It's not to like monetize and create mm -hmm. a business off of. It should be for us. Yeah. And that should be the biggest reason for you to start honoring those and doing them. Yeah. And look, I mean, if it turns into something down the road where you can monetize it, mm -hmm. create a business around, good for you. Awesome. Yeah. But that shouldn't stop you from starting to pick up the pen and writing or starting mm -hmm. to pick up that pencil and drawing or mm -hmm. something like that. Have you noticed kind of as you have introduced these creative outlets back into your life, it's like, wow, I notice in all areas, not just the time that I'm being creative, but all these other areas, I feel like this amplified sense of just living overall. Spot on. Absolutely, man. Like I, and, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to twist the truth. Like, when I was playing, I still had a guitar, you know, I was, oh, yeah. I've seen your videos. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I've gotten better. But you're not going to be a singer. <laughs> no, no. I actually had to cross that off my list because I wanted to be a rock star. I'll, you know, I yeah, wanted to be a politician. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think that at the end of the day I had to choose something, but what I, what I really want to get to is like, um, I, um, when it comes to like my, when I was playing sport, I always had a creative endeavor. I always, I couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist 
picking up the torch and being a leader and finding creative ways that our team could get better and, you know, become more of a team. Yeah. I couldn't, um, put down the torch of like, um, you know, I was a CMO for a, a nonprofit at Northwestern. I was um, involved in, I was a part of a honor society at, North, at Northwestern for all the leaders around the campus. Like I was involved in more than just football. I wanted to be more than just a football player. I wanted to be a human being. And that included creation because for me, that's my expression. You know, that's me. I'm unique. I want to express my creativity and my uniqueness and um, put it out there and see if people resonate with it, you know, because people are bound to, some people are. You know? Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. And I love that this creating has turned into kind of what you now do full time. Yeah. Um, talk to me about this quiz that's out. We've alluded to it a little bit, but essentially it's getting familiar with what kind of archetype former athlete you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So simply put, it's called the life after athlete archetype quiz. Beautiful. It's a, it's a mouthful, but essentially, um, it's evaluating, um, it gives, it gives you an archetype, one of four archetypes that I classify folks in um, based on a couple of key identifiers. But it asks you 13 questions. Some are true or false. Some are simple, uh, multiple choice. And it gives you an idea. The results you get are really, really valuable. I give you a bunch of ideas of like what your superpowers are, um, what your patterns are that are a little unhealthy when, you, yeah. when you're really in your archetype, you know, and how, how you can tweak those a little bit to be more effective in your life after sport. And based on that archetype, um, you get a slew of emails afterwards. You get tons of value just like, um, from taking the quiz. So it's, it's awesome. It's been a work in progress for a, a while and it basically is supporting folks in identifying where they land on two key matrix, uh, two key metrics, two key like areas of life yeah. that are really important in sport, but are also really important in life. And it's in the area of visibility. Mm -hmm. Do you resist that or do you crave it? Do you request visibility? Mm. And then visibility maxed up with responsibility and ownership. Do you want to be the one who, I don't know, runs the finances for the business? Do you want to be the one who's responsible for the important things, the things that like if they get dropped, like the world ends? So that kind of puts people in a category, you know, of archetypes of, you know, like, do you resist that? Do you request it? And so it ranges from being a guardian where you kind of resist both in some ways um, to uh, the playmaker where you really love that visibility, but you don't really love to be in ownership of everything. You'd rather just be the playmaker that just, you know, gets the, the winning touchdown, for instance. Yeah. Um, and then there's, of course, the jack of all trades who loves the responsibility of life and, and the team aspect, but doesn't want all the all the you know, visibility in the world is, is totally fine being, you know, flying under the radar and just having a really big role on the field. Yeah. And then the shot caller is kind of like the mesh of both. Like they, they crave both of those things. They love being visible. They're kind of like the quarterback or the middle linebacker in a football analogy. Yeah. And the key point I'd make in this quiz is that no matter what archetype you are, there is a, there is a, there's an impetus within you. There's a starting point for you to be a team captain. Mm. So I'm all about like, like we talked about today is like captaining our purpose, but then making it a team thing. Yeah. You know, captaining that team mission. And, um, you've seen on the football field, you watch football, right? Like when there's captains on the field, there's usually someone from the offensive line 
which I was kind of kind of coined the guardian. Yeah. There's a tight end or, you know, maybe the defensive end who I would say is the jack of all trades. There's the playmaker who's usually a running back or a wide receiver or a quarterback. They usually make a captain spot too. And you usually have the quarterback, middle linebacker. That's usually your shot caller. And yeah. so you have a mesh of kind of everyone on the field and they're all team captains in, in their own way. They lead from different directions. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I, I think a lot, um, especially when we're talking leadership and just culture, I look at like football is a perfect example. You have, there's no, I think one way to do it. And it's been proven time and time again, especially at the pro level. You see like Bill Belichick is obviously a way different personality and archetype than a Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. Both are phenomenal coaches. Both have won Super Bowls. Both have inspired their players to play at a very high level. Mm-hmm. But don't ask Pete Carroll to be more like Bill Belichick and don't ask Bill Belichick exactly. to be more like Pete Carroll. Exactly. And I think that's the value that your your quiz offers people is this ability to check in with themselves and start to realize like, okay, am I Bill Belichick? Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll? Mm-hmm. Am I a middle linebacker? Am mm-hmm. I a quarterback? Like, yes. What am I in just this life setting? Yeah. And once we start to know that jumping off point to your you know, point earlier, it's so much opens up. Like, yeah, all of a sudden, if we have that initial like launching point in mind, that next step, that next play, whatever it may be, becomes very, very clear to us. Yeah, just kind of unfolds itself almost in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect, simple five minute um, way to get really clear on that. It's like going out in the nature, you know, that, that's the idea. It's yeah. helping you get clear on your self-reflection, where you fit in, what your superpowers are, and then how those superpowers can kind of be shadow sides of yourself too. You yeah. know, for instance, uh, the playmaker loves to be the center of attention. They can also be a little bit self-focused, self-driven and lose sight of the bigger mission. So the, the, the growth work for that, you know, for them to be a team captain is to put the team first. You know, yeah. or just re revisit why they're on the field in the first place. Is it to be the one winning or is it to be the one that represents the team? You know, yeah. there's a difference there. I love that. Do they get bonus points if they complete the quiz out in nature? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, dude. Yeah. And actually right now I'm, I'm, I'm giving away a free coaching session. So anybody who takes the quiz, beautiful. um, you'll get uh, entered into an opportunity to get a free 60 minute coaching session with me. Beautiful. Where can, where can they find it? And then I got five quick questions to wrap. Nice. Uh, find me on Instagram. It's linked in my bio. So my, my Instagram will probably be linked in this web in this episode, but it's uh, Q Williams, double underscore. Just look up Q Williams. You'll probably find me. Um, my website is Q Williams.com. And right in there, you'll find a link to the life after athlete archetype quiz. Nice. Yeah. For those wondering, it's just the letter Q. Just letter Q. Easy Quentin enough. Q. Well, Q, we could bounce back and forth, man. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you today. And Likewise. All these questions. Want to just acknowledge you for you being an awesome dude. Got five quick questions for you. We call them the fast five. They're Whew. rapid fire to try to get you on your toes, feeling light. Here, <laughs> As if I wasn't already. <laughs> yeah, feeling quick feet like we did earlier in the workout. Yes. First one I got for you. Oh, preface it. One word or one sentence answers here okay. to these five. Number one is what is your go-to podcast? Ooh, the Chris Harder Show. Good one. Mm-hmm. Good one. Number two, what is your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Mm. 
Think and Grow Rich. Nice. There's a money theme here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Number Financial three, abundance. Uh, what is a quote that you live by? Hmm. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. It's uh, the Methodist Church saying. Go. It's got a special place in my heart. I come from the Methodist Church as mm. well. There we go. Another <laughs> shared value. Here. There we go. Number four, what's something that you can't live without? <sighs> Friendship. Beautiful. Yeah. I've gotten that one mm-hmm. before. Believe mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a popular one. Number yeah. five, what's your one word focus at this point in time? Hmm. That's tough. Oh, to narrow it down to one word, it, it's focus. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna go with balance. Balance. I like that one even more. Balance. That's that's my buzzword. Um, when I'm balanced, I am happier, more fulfilled. It's it's that pendulum example. Yeah. You know, it's that ikigai. You know, central. You know, the balance of all the the Venn diagrams. Yeah, and I would argue that focus comes from balance. The better mm-hmm. balanced you are, the more you're able to manage those distractions and mm-hmm. lock in onto whatever it is that mm-hmm. you're doing. So yeah, yeah, it's, good, it's big. One. I know I'm extending my answer now, but it's like it's balancing the yeses and the noes, balancing what I say yes to with what I say no to, because I know that every time I say no to something, just like you said, you know, you're selected with your friends and the energy you put into them. Yeah, every no opens space for a yes. Every yes you know, um, says no to something else. Yeah. So very, being very selective with the balance that I, I create with those. I love how intentional you are. Yeah. Dude, this was a blast, man. Again, thank you for just being you. Uh, you're an awesome dude. I love the work and the impact that you're doing in this world. So appreciate you coming on by live in person here in LA. <laughs> it's been beautiful. It has been, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Kudos to you for doing what you do. Uh, incredible human being. Thank you to all the listeners for supporting this podcast and uh, listening to our long rant. And um, this has been a lot of fun. I hope we can do it again. Awesome. We'll definitely do a part two. Q, enjoy the rest of the day, my man. All right, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Q's story is one of grit, determination to find himself while helping others do the same in the process. And that's really what I loved about today's conversation. I know I learned a lot about myself in that process. Share this episode with a friend, family member, or teammate who could benefit from hearing Q's message. We all grow more together. Remember, if you can change your mindset, we can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday.